Well, the doors open at 10.50. The service starts about 11, so it's kind of challenging, isn't it, for all of us to get in here, and uh, there's nowhere for me to hide. I uh, parked right out front and walked in like the rest of you. Somebody said, hey, preacher, you're growing your hair out, which is obviously mocking the bald guy, right? And I just want to let you know, some of you may not know this, but there's a a story in the Old Testament of, of them mocking a bald guy. And it didn't end well, okay? Just, it didn't end well. I, I could preach it today. I'll save it for next Sunday. But just, uh, just so you know. Hey, question for you this morning. Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that God is inherently interested in your life, in your, your, your being, in, in you thriving and flourishing and shining? Do you believe that He's for you. Here I go again, hearkening back to Romans 8. But Paul asked the question, if God is for us, who could be against us? It's a powerful thing for a human life to embrace that. To, to, to believe more times than not in a steady way, in a progressive way, that God is for you. Do you believe that? Uh, it's hard to believe in a God who's for us when religion has presented us with so much againstness. I'm making up words today. It's hard to believe in foreness when there's so much againstness. Uh, there's so much by way of bigotry and wars and exclusion and crusades and inquisitions and placards and protest and judgment. Where we're, we're left feeling is, is God, is he for us? Is he on our side? As, as Paul would tell Timothy, does he desire that all would come to the knowledge of Christ? that we would find Jesus and find life that matters. Is he for us? And I understand in this series, there's a, there's a risk. There's a risk that, um, that I would have indigestion, and then you might hear it. Or, you know. Did you get that feedback, or was that just me? There's a risk in this series that I might come across as a motivational speaker, as a salesperson or a televangelist promising you uh, great health and, and many friends and nice new cars and that you can keep up with the Kardashians. But this series is, is not about that at all. It, we're speaking about God being for you as Jesus did. And as Paul would say, in fact, the whole series it, it emanates from this idea. We put it up here a couple of weeks ago. 2 Corinthians 1, 20, for all the promises of God, they find their yes in him. All that God promises find their yes in him. Week one, I think it was reiterated last week. I want to throw it in today for the trifecta, but we're asking, does God, does God limit you or does he liberate you? Do you see God as more interested in correcting you or connecting with you? We looked at, uh, and we are looking at, some of the great yeses of God, the yes of his creation. Um, The yes, last week, the yes of the cross. And this morning, note takers, write this down. We're going to look at the yes of his counsel. The the word counsel, we're going to substitute the word guide. But God wants to guide us. I mentioned last week that some of the guys, some of the men uh, in our church went south to Venice, Louisiana, and, and we fished. And took a good group of guys. Half of us were fishermen, half of us not so much probably. Uh, I being one of the not so much type of fishermen. I mean, I, I could fish well, I guess, if the fish you know, jumped, jumped in the boat and sacrificed themselves voluntarily. But it doesn't work like that, does it? And I tell you this morning, looking back on 10 days ago, I needed a guide. I needed someone who could show us what was up. And we had a guide. We paid him a lot of money. His name is Captain Dan. 
Incidentally, Captain Dan uh, used to be a pastor. He couldn't take the pressure. His church, just uh, they just put him under. And he said, I got to get away. And I just want to say, Fondren Church, please, this morning, don't make me become a captain of a boat somewhere, okay? Love me, encourage me, be with me. But Captain Dan, man, I appreciate this guy, his, his life story, and I appreciate his skill. He, he wasn't as patient with me and some of us as he probably needed to be. But Captain Dan knew uh, where we should fish. He knew when we should fish. He thought 4.30 a.m. I'm, I'm sure Jesus didn't think that. Uh, he knew the type of um, bait that we needed, how to hook that live shrimp to catch that trout, that, that trout or that other bait to catch the, the redfish. He, he showed us where to go. And there were times, um, I think, at least for me anyway, I was hooking other people. Uh, Stan Troy was ducking several times. Every time I'd lean back, Stan would duck. I'm sure the other ones. But I put my hook in various people and places of the boat. But each time Captain Dan would walk over to me, he would untie, he would untangle, he would set me back on course again. And I, I began to think. Wouldn't it be cool in life if there was a guide who in those tough situations when you are out to sea, excited about things but not sure of yourself, if someone would be there to guide you, they could uh, jump out and uh, let's say you're dating or thinking about dating, that guy could say, no, 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 not over there, no, not that one, Uh, over here, yeah, that one, that one. Uh, In marriage, you're about to tell uh, your wife that she's just like her mother. And that guy could say, no, 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 not that one. Not, no, don't use that one. Use this one. This will work better, right? You're on the cusp of a big decision. And that God would be there to tell you, to show you uh, where to go, what to do. This morning, I want to look at uh, a beautiful passage that um, is found in... Uh, the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'd love for you to turn there. If, you're not, if you can't access it quickly, we'll put it up on the screen. Boom, there it is. With the lights, I'm just going to read off the screen myself. This is a story of Samuel who's a boy. I was in a meeting this past week with some Christian leaders, and, and a subject came up about choosing someone, appointing someone, and their age was mentioned, their youthfulness. And I read scripture and I think, you know, God is really a fan of using people, using young people. And here's Samuel in a formative stage of his life. Then the Lord called Samuel, he's the boy, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and he lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall speak. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Samuel said, or Samuel went, and he lay down in his place, and the Lord came. And stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And I love this response. And the young boy, Samuel, said, speak for your servant hears. Four things I could say about this passage. Number one, this is simple. God is talking to Samuel. Samuel recognizes that someone is addressing him. He he doesn't know that it's God's voice. The fourth point is the most important. He has to learn to recognize God's voice. 
I want to say to you this morning that God wants to be your guide. He gives you a promise in his creation. He gives you a promise in the cross. And he gives you a promise in saying that I want to come alongside you and I I want your life to count. I want you to hear from me. God wants to speak to us. Do you believe that? He, He wants to speak to us. When Jesus talked about faith, he talked about fruit, about results, about transformation, about change, about seeing and tasting and experiencing and encountering the love of God that you in turn will share with other people that your life wouldn't be the same because you experience him. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about being the shepherd, about the sheep, you and I, if we're open and if we're receptive, that we hear his voice, but we have to learn to recognize that voice. Recently, I did uh, a wedding, and uh, bear with me, old Miss fans. We'll give you some love later, but the, the, the wedding was a, a couple. They met in Starkville at Mississippi State, and they're big uh, Bulldog fans. And when it came time for uh, their proposal, uh, he got the athletic director to let him in the football stadium, and they, uh, they, they had stations set up all around, and ultimately it consummated on the 15-yard line. That was a bad word to use, but they, uh, on the 15-yard line, let's just laugh and move on, just laugh, move on, move on, let's move on. At the 15-yard line, my boy, uh, Brad's his name, he, he hit a knee and asked her uh, to marry him. And this weekend, at the wedding rehearsal dinner, Uh, my table basically decided to pay me a little extra if I'd work in a little uh, Mississippi State Jack Crystal in the wedding. So we had done the vows, we had done the rings, it was a beautiful moment. And then in in that moment, I just acknowledged the the, the cowbells and the state fans and the, the reality of their relationship. And then it just, just, I just took a couple of moments and it went, it went something like this. Bulldogs to the line of scrimmage. Brad Youngblood is up under uh, center. He checks left. He checks right. He checks a five-man front, a two-linebacker set, wide receivers left and right, backs in a split backfield. He gets a snap count. He rolls. He's looking. He's got a man down the field. He throws. He's got a man across the 50, all the way down to enemy territory, the 15-yard line. John, what do you got? Jack, that's exactly right. Brad Youngblood into the ball game, and he finds a receiver, first down Bulldogs. There's a youngster shaking up on the play, John. Actually, it's not a youngster shaking up. It's a beautiful blonde co-ed, and Brad is hitting a knee, and he's asking her to marry him. She says, I, yes, and tonight they say, I do, and you can wrap this one in maroon and white. <laughs> State fans clap. Maybe a few Southern Miss, right? Charles, you're disgusted at this point, aren't you? (laughs) Too many churches on the block. I need to be careful, don't I? But, you know, Jack Crystal, for me, he's he's getting close to 90, lives in Tupelo, smokes like a chimney. But I grew up in that town, okay? And I grew up listening to that voice, and I love the way he would turn a phrase. I I love the, the sound of his voice. And for me, that's just kind of, I don't do a lot of impersonations, but that just kind of comes natural to me. It's, some, it's, a, it's a voice that I've enjoyed, a voice that I, I recognize, a voice that I appreciate. And I bet some of you have something like that in your own life. There's a voice that you appreciate, the sound, the words, the recollections, the memories and associations. And God has a voice. Now, I'm not going to take time this morning to enter into a complicated realm. But if you want to learn more about it, I want to suggest to you, um, I think, the best book out there. This is one man's opinion, but I would recommend a book called Hearing God by Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard died uh, this past year. 
um, he was a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California. He wrote a, a book called Divine Conspiracy, which I read at a critical point in my life. It changed my life. Chapter 3 in particular just wrecked me. And more recently, I've read uh, his work, Hearing God, and I look back at it after Dallas Willard's death. But it's a great book that talks about the audibility of God's voice versus impressions. And it, 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 I, just, I feel like if I got into it this morning, I might be misunderstood by some of you. But I do believe, I believe that God speaks. I believe that you and I ought to hear his word and hear his voice and become accustomed to it and learn the sound of his voice. God wants to speak to you, I'm saying to you this morning. And you need to hear. You and I need to hear God's voice. You talk to yourself a lot. In fact, you talk to you more than anybody else talks to you. You may say, well, I don't talk to me. Well, you just talk to yourself. See? You see what I did there? It's pretty good, huh? You just talk to yourself. And you, you talk to yourself a lot. And sometimes... I believe what other people say about me. But I find that I virtually always believe what I'm telling me. And we have to be careful. That language, that voice, we need to be very careful. I bumped into an old friend, an old coach, who, uh, speaking of smoking earlier, this guy just smokes like nobody I've, I've ever seen. This guy had this amazing skill where he could... He could smoke while he drank something. He could be drinking a Coke. He'd just slip the cigarette to the corner there, and he would inhale and exhale while he was drinking. Amazing skill. Seemed to always have a cigarette in his mouth. Do you know that there was once a time on airplanes that there was a, a smoking section? Any of you remember that? Now think about that. An aluminum tube that recycles air, enclosed aluminum tube, and there's some people that want to smoke and some people that don't want to smell it. Uh, restaurants, there was a smoking, non-smoking section in restaurants. Remember that? That's almost gone now. California, Texas, a couple other states have now banned smoking in bars. What's the world coming to? I mean, come on. But it wasn't until a few decades ago, as I understand it, that there was a warning label put on the side of the cigarettes from, a, from the U.S. Surgeon General. And it... it, it clearly communicated that it's dangerous to do this, especially if you're pregnant or nursing. It's a clear warning that some don't heed. But you know, God, as he speaks to us, he warns us. Some of you this morning, you're turning a deaf ear to what God's warning you about. But God warns us. He has me. I hope he continues to. In fact, there's a proverb. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. You know Proverbs is largely the writing of Solomon. He's warning. The very thing I'm talking about, he's warning his son. My son, my son. And it says this in Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There's something in your gut there's that voice in your head. It seems right, but it's not. Can I say that again? There's something in your gut. There's that voice in your head. It seems right, but it's not. Repeatedly, the wise old sage would tell his boy, his beloved son, 
not that one, not that one, not the harlot, not the harlot. Be careful of this, be careful of this. Be careful of being lazy. Be careful of not planning ahead. Be careful of a woman that could bring you down to Chinatown. Be careful about strong drink. Be careful of this, be careful of that. In fact, it took him all the way to Proverbs 31 to say, here's the kind of woman, here she is right here. But there is a way, every man, every woman, everybody with red blood coursing through their veins knows about temptation, right? I do, so do you. There is a way that, that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. God wants to say to us that he wants to speak. He wants a recurring, ongoing conversation. But he wants us to listen. And I'm telling you this morning that we need to listen. We need to listen to his voice. Newsweek has a recent article about belief, about God, about prayer, about spiritual disciplines and habits. Habits of the heart, I think, is one of the phrases that it uses. And most Americans, the vast majority of Americans, believe in God. 13%, according to this one survey, indicate that people are atheists or agnostic. Most of us pray. Newsweek was surprised by the findings of their research, of their survey, that how many of us pray and how often even that 13% that claim to be atheist or agnostic, one out of four of them say there are times, desperate times, when they offer up a prayer. Now, when someone says they're talking to God, we call that prayer. But when someone says God is talking to them, we call that schizophrenia. But God wants us to be in a relationship with him. He wants us to marvel at his word, to sit at his feet, to drown out the cacophony of other loud voices and learn his, to learn to listen to him. It can be spooky. I want to say this. There are generally, I'm going to speak in a broad category, but there are generally two uh, types of, uh, even Christians, let's just narrow the scope. There's even two types of Christians in this. There are some who just don't believe that God speaks. He's given us his word and that's it. And then there are some who, uh, man, they can kind of, they can kind of wig us out, can't they? Because they speak with a greater certainty than I do. And I'm a, I'm a pastor. I've been at this a long time. I've been to seminary. I, I work for the Lord. I'm a paid professional. But they speak about God and God speaking to them in ways that I'm not sure of or sometimes uncomfortable with. Are you judging me now for that? But it just seems to be just with so much certainty and so much clarity and so much frequency. Because there's a real slippery slope with this, I want to give you this morning five filters. We're going to put these up. Five filters are just on determining or discerning God's voice. Is God speaking to you? First is, does it align with his character? The, the attributes of God. Does it flow from who he is? God is a God of justice. He's a God of compassion. He's a God that tells us to engage with the world. There are, are thousands of verses on helping the poor. Uh, there's there's an ongoing condition with man and God throughout the scriptures where man, where we want to assert ourselves. We want to, we want to edge God out 
of the equation or put ourselves on the throne. Anything that God says to you needs to um, move toward the character of God, toward his justice, toward his compassion, towards uh, you being involved in serving other people. And sometimes I'll get in a dialogue with some people. And it seems like what God is telling them is not necessarily aligned with his attributes. It, it, it's not coinciding with his character. There's probably nothing more important. That's why in this series we're asking you, do you see a God who's a God of no or a God of yes? Is he limiting you or liberating you? Is he more concerned with correcting you or connecting with you? Do you, do you have a right view of God? And if he's speaking to you, it will align with his character. Is it, is it scriptural? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired of God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That you and I may be equipped. We may be adequately equipped for every good work. Is it scriptural? Does it line up with Scripture? Now, there are whole branches of the church, particularly um, in America, where we, 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 we run afoul. We, we have to be careful in this area. Thirdly, does it match the gifts that he gives you? Years ago in another uh, church environment, another ministry situation, someone came to see me, sat down with me and told me that God was, God was telling him that he was to work at this church in a certain position, very lofty position, I might add. And I mean, I knew the guy a little bit. I knew who he was and I knew his gifting. And this guy's a bull in a china shop. Peter was a bull in a china shop. I'm, I love the guy. I know God loves him and will use him. But I'm telling you, God wasn't calling him to work for our church. Now, we could beat around the bush there. We could just talk about it. But um, if you want to jump into Scripture there, I would, if you're a note taker, write 1 Corinthians 12. And then write Romans 12. And then write 1 Peter 4.10. Because God calls us to live in community. And he is supremely uh, interested in you discovering how you're gifted, how he's made you, and then using that. And I believe that as you began to understand a gift or a couple of gifts that you might have, I believe that's where God, I would encourage you to be responsive to his voice because that's where he really wants to begin to speak to you because he wants you to use that gift. God always blesses us to bless other people. Have you noticed that? Every time he blesses you, every time he gifts you, every time he gives you something, it's never uh, to be used alone. For selfish gain. Lastly, is it wise? Is it wise? James chapter 3, verses 15, 16, and 17. Again, if you're a note taker, jot that down. James 3, 15 to 17. It gives us two kinds of wisdom. Jesus, remember, said, be innocent as doves, shrewd as serpents. He wants us to be wise. When he speaks to us, he gives us wisdom. Uh, James 3 says that there's demonic wisdom. There's wisdom that's, that's from this world. It's not profitable at all. It says that this wisdom, it, it, it flows from bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. But godly wisdom that's from above, it says it's pure, it's peaceful, it's gentle. Listen to this, y'all. It's open to reason. Okay, so if you're just like, God told me, God told me, and this is the way it's done. If it's not open to reason, I want to tell you this morning, it's not from God. If God's speaking to you, he's giving you wisdom. And if, if he's giving you wisdom, it's going to be open to reason. And it's going to be pure. We've made a decision about someone and the voice that they're hearing from God. And it just doesn't seem to be pure. It seems to have some mixed motives to it. So in our wisdom, we're, we're, we're turning a corner there. And it's important to, 
to uh, sense that and to use discernment. Number five, do other people who love Christ and love you, do they affirm it? How important is that? I believe God speaks to us in isolation, but not for long. I think when we hear God's voice, if you're married, then he's going he's to involve a spouse. I, I felt like there was an idea about a church and a church plant, and it was, it, was, it was being presented to me. I believe God's speaking to me, but he was speaking to me before he was speaking to her. And let me tell you, it's really important for him to speak to her. We've always wanted this church to flow from a marriage that is not perfect, but that's unified and that's godly. And I'm telling you, if you're married and one of you's ahead of the other on something, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee and visit with you because he taught us a lot during that year. And I'm not standing up here saying he speaks to me before he speaks to her. Because that's not true most of the time. It's usually the other way. But during this season, I had to be patient and I had to be pure and I had to be gentle. I had to be open to reason and I had to dialogue with her. But if God's calling and speaking to you, he's probably going to bring somebody that loves you, that loves Christ around you to confirm that in you. Now, not, have you noticed that not every voice uh, of, of Christians is a good voice? Have you noticed that? You've been with some Christians, they've told you something or given you some advice and it's not from above. A few weeks ago in Cambodia, our last full day there in the city of Phnom Penh, we had ministered with this amazing staff at the hard places through which our church supports financially um, every month. And we had served along with these amazing staff. And a couple of the days we had played uh, American games. Amelia knows this and Jordan and some of you today. But we had, we had worked hard to love on these kids who needed love. And we had taught them about some American games and trivia and just some stuff about our culture. And the last day, the staff, in order to say thank you uh, to us, they brought in a table. And on that table was some crazy Cambodian food. And there were, uh, plug your ears if you're kind of wheezy in the stomach, but there were crickets and roaches and turtle, uh, uh, duck eggs. You could see actually the, the turtle, the, the, I'm sorry, the duck fetus in the egg. And it was just a disgusting plate. And those voices are like, Robert, pastor. You know, the American's like, Robert, get in there. Robert, come on, try it. It's good. It's not too bad. Try it, try it. Frogs. I mean, all kind of stuff on this table. And the Cambodian staff, pastor, 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 come on, pastor, 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 come on, pastor. And all these voices, everybody in the room, everybody I think loved Jesus. I think everybody in that room is going to heaven. But man, I was not called to eat any of that off that table. Now, I'd gone to Cambodia, okay? I'm hygienically challenged. I'd faced a lot of my fears, but I was not going to, right? I wasn't going to get around that table no matter the voices. But there are exceptions like that, fear factor Cambodia. But listen, some of you really need to hear this. God guides and he speaks in the counsel of other people. You say, preacher, come on, give me something new in the middle of the summer. I came to church today. I don't know if that's a new word for any of you, but it's one that's not heeded very well. And when you're making a decision and you feel God is telling you something, look, I'm going to tell you, I don't want to freak you out, but I think there's been some times in my life where God really has spoken to me. But he brings people. He brings people to confirm it. 
And at times he's, he brings people to say, slow down. Here's the better way. Here's what you're going to need. He wants to do that. I'm going to close with this idea of, um, I, think we have, I think we put this point up. God is more talkative than most people think, but not as talkative as some people think. That's a little freebie here at the end of the sermon. Go back. The first part here is what I'm saying. Some of you have given up on hearing from God. Some of you are living, as one writer says, you're a practical atheist. You, you say that you believe in him, but you're, you're making your own decisions. You're not slowing down to hear from him. Prayer for you is always talking at the last minute about what you need, never creating an environment where you can listen to him. And this morning, you need to hear that he's got something to say to you. He wants to speak to you. But he's not as talkative as some people think. And here's my point. God wants to speak to you. But he also wants you to make decisions and take risk. God does want to speak to you. But he wants you to make decisions and take risks. Parents, you feel me on this, don't you? I mean, you want, when your kids are little, you're constantly telling them. You're modifying their behavior. You're telling them exactly what to wear and what to think and what to feel and what to do. But you're trying to raise up a young warrior. You're trying to, as the psalmist says, you're trying to shoot an arrow out into the world. And you want those children to grow into adulthood where they're healthy and they're mature and they're wise. And they're able to make really good decisions on their own. Right? And that is God's heart for you. Now, let me just say decision-making can be lonely. Do you believe that? I mean, if you have to make a decision about something, there are times when you do ask for help and counsel, but it can be very lonely. If you lead anything, you you feel me on this. But decision-making can be lonely. Decision-making, even small decisions, can create tremendous levels of anxiety. Just be with someone at a restaurant, an indecisive person with a large menu and an impatient waitress. Decision-making can be very challenging, can't it? Anxiety can go through the roof. And for some of us, I think it's a cop-out. God said this, God said this, God said this. I'm going to do this because the Lord said, thus saith the Lord. And you know, I believe that God wants to give us a mind. There's just too much in Scripture about having a renewed mind, about being careful about what we think, about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He wants us to exercise judgment. He wants us to make good decisions, to weigh the pros and cons, to talk to other people. And then, you ready? And then to make that decision. And that decision will many times over require risk. We don't know the outcome. And some of you give me a headache with the certainty of which you talk about the Lord. God wants to guide us. He told Abraham when he was Abram, hey, go away from your city, from your your family, from your father's household, and go into the land of which I will show you. And then he had so much more to show him. He led the Israelites with a a pillar of cloud by day and and fire by night. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and what will he do? He will direct your paths. The most famous psalm of all, Psalm 23, he restores my soul. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, He leads me beside still waters. God wants to be glib and talkative in your life. He wants you and I to carve out the time to build a relationship with him and open up an inspired book. 
And we need to be responsive. That's the last point. I close with this. Uh, Several months ago, we were driving in unfamiliar territory on back roads. In the rental car, we were asked, before we got it, we were asked if we wanted the insurance. I said no. We were asked if we wanted this plug-in GPS box. I said yes. And, man, we plugged it in, and there is that lady voice. You know the one I'm talking about. The lady voice tells you where to go. Hard for men sometimes, right? Uh, We've already got another lady voice in the car telling us where to go. And then there's this other lady voice, and she says, take a left. And you ever feel me? It's like you want to take a left, but you feel like you need to take a right. And you, you defy that voice, and you take a right because you think that you're right with the right. And then the lady voice says what? Recalculating the route. When it's safe, execute a U-turn. Right? And this particular time she said that and I I just unplugged her. I didn't have to listen to her. I didn't have to listen to that, correcting me. She's wrong, I'm right. And later I got lost as a goose, which my wife enjoyed immensely. And then I I plugged her back in, the GPS lady, and 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 she said what? Recalculating route. When it's safe, uh, execute a U-turn. And there are so many times in life, in walking with Christ, we would call that his grace. And some of you are beat up because you've done something wrong. You've taken a wrong turn. It's where you are today. But God in his grace can say to you, recalculate the roots. When it's safe, execute a U-turn. The Bible calls that repentance. It ought to be a big part of our experience. Um, I just want to tell you, this pastor's sins are many, and I've had to repent. I've had to make some U-turns recently in my life. You know when I'm going to stop making U-turns? Never. Never. Until I get there. Don't give up on hearing God's voice. And for some of you, if you're a little, little loco, a little out there, man, I, w- I, want you to, I want you to use better discernment if God is speaking to you. I think what I shared with you this morning is really, really wise and needs to be taken to heart. Pray with me, church. God, thanks for this morning and thanks for the yes that you give us. You create us. Lord, you, you show us sacrificial love like none other um, being on the cross for us. It's your greatest yes of all. And Jesus, you didn't just die for us. You invite us into that death. As Paul said, for I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And Lord, you desire to be a, a God who guides us to say yes to us. And for us to embrace the yes. Lord, how cool it would be for us as a church and our leaders to be women and to be men who listen to you more. Who could hear your voice and we could follow. Lord, I pray for any that need to recalculate the route, route and they, they, need to, they need to make the U-turn. I pray you help us. Thank you for fresh starts and clean slates, for blank sheets, for uh, newness, for forgiveness. A big part of your voice is hearing your love for us. 
Jesus we pray.